Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Ian Ferguson, and this is my <laughs> sometimes friend, Pat Contry, and this is the CU Podcast for 6-18-14. So let's get ready for a good time. Those are just numbers. We got a lot of... Right, that's fine. People can do the math themselves. We got a lot of interesting things on the docket today to talk about. We're going to be talking about some E3. And we're going to be talking about the Flea Market Madness 5th Anniversary. Uh, we'll update you on our personal lives, because that's always very exciting. <laughs> Let's talk about Capcom and Bill Watterson and GTA 5. On the, we'll, we'll just, we're going to talk about stuff. <laughs> this is going to be a feature-packed episode. And your Q&A, correct? And your Q&A. If we have time to get to it. Yeah. So, anyways. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing fine, Ian. You know, I had a nice weekend. Uh, you know, tired, got some work done. Did some stuff, you know. Personal life stuff. That's good. That's good. I like this role reversal we're doing right now. Yeah. Like, so come co- on, come on, carry it. All right, come that, on. That, that, that covers your updates and personal life. Uh, <laughs> Watch laughing. our ratings just plummet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm laughing as I go into it. Uh, my week was a bit more somber. I uh, don't talk about this stuff a ton online, and if I do, I'm vague. I went home to pay my final respects to a very important person in my life. Uh, so after two days of travel and two days of funeral and wakes... I have very little in me, and uh, I think I got sick on the airplane just because that's what happens when you fly. Um, the good thing is, is I actually feel kind of at peace with the whole thing, which I'd struggled with for about three months leading up to uh, the passing of my grandmother. Um, but yeah, so that's really what's been consuming my personal life for a, a long period of time, but especially the past weekend. So it's nice to have that finality and have that... Well, you, well, you, you take care of. Like you said, you made your peace, you know, a while back. And yeah. And this was like, I guess, well, it was inevitable, unfortunately. Right. It's just a matter of time and, you know. I, I couldn't go through her artifacts. I wanted some things, you know, of hers um, to remind me of her, you know, but I've got so many letters from her and I've got, you know, every conversation we had and I did end up taking some books that were hers and uh, I, yeah, I, I, the entire her entire record collection was left to me, and while I'll probably never listen to the Liza Minnelli, I'm I, I just I'm not throwing it away. <laughs> not uh, a fan of the Liza, are you? But the Neil Diamond, oh, the Neil Diamond, I will listen to. So, um, yeah. So that takes us up to now, and I'm just gonna hand the reins back to Pat Country because the joke is old. Well, we are we are indeed live with uh, yes. a completely unnecessary <laughs> podcast for June eighteenth, two thousand fourteen. Um. I was editing a lot today. I'm exhausted for for a lot of reasons, and I'm not going to get probably any rest until August, being that I have a a pretty big project that's due early early July, late June, and then I have three uh, weeks of conventions in a row. I got Con Bravo and then SGC, and then um, Comic Con, which you'll be, happily be a part of. Yes. Uh, on Monday, I actually scoped out the. Uh, the gas lamp Reading Theater downtown, like four blocks up from the convention center, because that's where the uh, AVGN movie is going to be showing right. on the Thursday, uh, was that July twenty fourth, and uh, it was tough. It was tough getting that book, just because 
you know, at first they didn't tell you this, but when you call up the, they're like, yeah, we can get you booked. But there's another people have this, you know, have had the had the theater, like major studios, like real Hollywood studios, like rent it the entire like four three three or four days in order for just to have it just in case. Mm-hmm. And so we were lucky to get a get a screening. Um, so it's going to be the second time that it's going to be shown. It's going to be premiering in uh, the Egyptian um, on Monday. Um, the Monday, I guess that's the 21st, the same place where um, I think Return of the Jedi premiered, and they do a lot of different red carpets. Is it the Egyptian? I'm so tired, I can't think of it. Don't know, just run with it. I'm, I'm running with it. But uh, yeah, so uh, the tickets sold out. For most of the locations, I think it's showing, AVGN movies showing like the first, basically, end of July, then, then like August 6th, 7th, and 8th. They're almost all showing, uh, all sold out, all the showing, so. Right. I'm happy for James. He's finally getting this done. Get this like monkey off his bat. In terms of independent films, two years is not a long time between uh, pre and basically post production and fin- being finished. It's pretty good, actually. And <laughs> for... all those assholes online that said that James took the money and ran, or he was scamming people, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, seriously. Are you gonna come out and say, "Oh, I was wrong"? Sorry, no, you're not. Eat Cause turds because you're, you're cowards. Yeah, and, and you're just worthless pieces of trash. There's a lot of cowards online. Speaking of worthless. It's the uh, it's the fifth anniversary of Flea Market Madness. Um, a day to celebrate. A day to celebrate. It was actually, I think I actually uploaded it on the 17th or 16th of YouTube. Uh, it, it, people don't notice, unless you have the commentary of, um, of Volume 1, uh, of my DVD, Volume 1 slash 2. Uh, the Flea Market Madness that I shot, I shot in Englishtown, New Jersey. It was the first thing I ever shot in terms of this quote-unquote YouTube thing going on. It was before I even shot the Baseball Stars episode. I think I shot it a few days before or the week before. And so I just did it on a lark. I'm like, I love flea markets. I love flea markets. And um, why don't I just film it? You know, nowadays, everyone does it. Back then, no one was doing it. You know, and I shot it. And I wasn't even satisfied with what I even captured. I was like, this is garbage. Like, who wants to watch me walk around literally in dirt and make deals for games? And you know what I mean? Like, who's going to watch that? So I didn't edit it for a year. I didn't edit it till June of 2009. And by that point, I've been doing videos for a year. Um, I had done like the MA2, not the MA2, I did the Black Box games and Baseball Stars and Russian Attack where I fight Rob. So I'm like, okay, let's come out with this. And so I put it up and it got a massive response, especially on uh, game trailers. I think I put it up on game trailers months, months later. It got like 25,000 views or 30,000 views in a day on game trailers. And I guess, it, it, I guess people, I guess you take it for granted now, but people just weren't used to seeing something like that especially i guess if you're not from an area that has flea markets and game deals and in 2009 uh retro game collecting wasn't nearly where it is now not even close so maybe that has something to do with it too i've always commented uh during marathons and things like that that a lot of your fan base uh i mean i'm not saying all of it but there's a good chunk of your fan base that's overseas Mm. um where something like a flea market is probably completely unknown and I mean, you can't discount the fact that people love watching reality television, which is what this is. I mean, there's a whole... I mean, Flea Market Madness, I mean, there's there's a whole genre of that sort of reality TV that, that's huge. You know, mm-hmm. people you know, going around making deals, finding treasure where you're not expecting to. So, I mean, to me, it makes sense that it got popular for a couple of reasons. Yeah, I, I again, I think it's just people were fascinated just by the whole, wow, a guy's out looking for game deals. You know, I'm not saying I was the first to ever feel myself in a flea market. That's not true. I think at the time, I remember seeing a video on YouTube by some guy. He had, like, the really bad, I think, spy glasses. I mean, they were crappy. Now they're good. 
back in 2008, 2009, they were terrible. They were like from China and like they broke. I had a pair that broke. Yeah. A few of my flea market manuses, like I think, I think two, three, and four, I shot with these really cheap glasses from China that like broke. And I had one, one, I had, <laughs> you remember were so I had a little angry with I had broke too. Yeah. Cause I filmed an entire flea market man. It yeah. was a good episode. Like yeah. fun stuff with Frank. And then you're like, Frank was dancing to war and you're yeah, like, yeah. it's all gone. Yeah. It's all, it was all gone. Like it was all corrupted. Like the internal hard drive on this stupid thing. But anyway, the point was that I had this, I think he was, uh, I think he was in Texas and he went around and he walked around a swap meet or flea market and that's all, that's what he did. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like there was really no one doing the videos at the time. Um, and so it, it's weird, uh, putting this out. I know I don't put them out as often as other people, but people do now pick up videos and they go, people go, go to, go to th thrift stores, you know, looking for games. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I, I own the whole right to do this, but you know, I was a pioneer. I'm going to pat myself in the back a little bit. I have to. Um, but, but I, I think what, what happened was I got away from it. I've, I mean, I've only averaged about doing three or four a year, and I got and I got to sort of uh, do more. I do realize I have to do more. Not so much that people know that I've done it, but I'm like two years behind. So I was gonna say, don't you have uh, quite the backlog? Oh yeah, I, that's why I used to joke. I used to joke like online, I'm like yeah, I just shot Flea Market Madness 22, and it's not far from the truth because this is the 18th one, and I'm two years behind in editing. And right. that's what people don't realize. So, like, when people see, like, I remember, like, one of the ones was, like, Demon's Crest that I passed up on a video that came out, like, a year ago. It was, like, $20. And when I originally shot it, that wasn't that much of a deal. It was, like, when I shot that, like, two and a half years ago, whenever I shot it, it was, like, a $30 game. So, I'm like, oh, $20, 30 But, but by, the time it, by the time it aired, that was, like, an $80 game. So, people were, like, screaming, why didn't you buy that? And that's, like, the danger I'm in now. It shows that even two years later, you know, you have this sort of weird thing going on like that. That's seriously a chunk of your videos that i haven't watched but i think it would actually be fun now that you've mentioned that to go through and see them like see, see what i passed see, up yeah see what you passed up or just see what I, the prices were two years ago compared to there, what they are now. like there was even like a game i think what is it for ps2 hack mutation or something dot hack uh, dot hack there's a there's a whole series of them yeah, i can't so, remember which one the fourth one is but so I, I think now they're worth like 20 bucks or 15 bucks i came across both of them i never saw them before and i four. there's four of them yeah. Well, I saw. I, well, I anyway. I found two of them, and I didn't buy them because I remember they wanted like four or five dollars each at the time. That's what they were worth. So I was like, I'm not getting a deal. Now I would probably buy them because, you know, they're more valuable, maybe harder to find. And I never seen. I've seen them since those two games. You know, that, that I came across. So it's just, it's just that's the funny part of it. And unfortunately, some of that I have to like keep out because it's like people think I'm an idiot for not buying some of this stuff. Right, right, right. You know, because it's so far later. Um. So yeah, it's the fifth anniversary. Uh, the video, it's gonna be here. It's gonna be here to click on it by the time you hear this it's going to be out so um hope you enjoy it there's some fancy new stuff going forward i will put these out more often than before maybe not once a month but at least once every two months they're going to work into the rotation more unfortunately though even in the past five years like like you know like the, the flea markets have dried up yeah largely um and i and i've spoken about this every single convention i've gone to where we have a video game collecting 101 panel it's a lot of reasons. Obviously, once you hit like 2010, there was another sort of jump up in the market. And again, again, I would think in 2012 it jumped up even more. But everyone has, everyone has smartphones now, so basically what that means is that uh, anyone who's going to even have a garage sale, use a flea market as a garage sale, they are going to 
they, they can check the prices on stuff before they, they couldn't, they couldn't a few years, even three years ago, not everyone had smartphones and everyone does. Um, and that's a big part of that. So it's harder to get deals. And plus you have more people because of smartphones now looking and picking up games. That's what I was going to say. That's the, it, the serious people are going to yeah. look at a table of games that someone didn't check over and they're going to check over each yeah. and every one to make sure that it's not some weird, rare PlayStation I, one game that's worth yeah. shit 50 bucks. But not just that. Cause now you have the guys that used to just buy DVDs and sell them or movies or whatever. Now they're, they're looking at all the games too. So it's a whole influx of another market that was not there before because before you had to have the knowledge in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had, a, I had a leg up on everyone and now guys that get into it, you know, for, for their own side hobby or business were almost on even a playing field. Not entirely. There's still some stuff they don't know if they're going to look it up. You know what I mean? Or I'll see something and know before they look it up. But you know what I mean. But anyway, so that's that's what that's Flea Market Madness. Fifth anniversary. It's, uh, yeah. I wish I had one of those little poppers. What? Yay! The ones that make like the little confetti. Oh, I, I have a, a birthday little, uh, those little horn things. Nice. I should, I should have brought. Nice. Them. I, should have, I should have thought about that, but I'm not getting up to get them. <laughs> so, um, last week was E3, uh, the Electronics uh, Entertainment Expo. Yeah, something that is never particularly okay. No, I can't say that. When back in the day, when like gaming magazines were still big, I used to always look forward to the E3 issue. You know, I'd get real excited about it, see what, you know, interesting titles were coming from um, overseas or, you know, what new IPs were being developed. Anyways, it was something that I used to get excited about. And as time has gone on and it's become more of just an industry press conference focused event, I, I find myself well, yeah. less and less interested. I just It's, it's a also, trade show. Right. It's what it is. And it's also because I just don't care as much about modern games. Um, but, you know, I, I every year that people want to be... You know who won E3, and I well, would that's have a, that's that's just dumb. It's dumb. I would that's... have to say this year, though, more than any year. Um, what do you win though? What does that even no, mean? No, you know, you know, just who came out looking the best. But I think this year, more than any other year, you can say that if you put all your fanboyism aside, everyone came out looking pretty good. Yeah, everyone came out looking better than they did last, last year. year. Yeah, last year was a catastrophe for, for Microsoft, as we know, yeah. because of the DRM issues and the Kinect and, right. and everything like that. So, you know, I, I don't want to spend a whole bunch of... I mean, at this point, it's almost old news, but, you know... So, Microsoft, you know, had their press conference, and what they did this year is, I mean, they came out, and I think it was the first thing they said. So, this year, it's just going to be about the games. Because, I mean, you know, whether it's tongue-in-cheek or, you know, they said it seriously. Um, I mean, last year, you know, you know, everyone remembers the infamous clip that went around that summed up their press conference in a minute and a half. You know, it was all TV and yeah. motion control. They, they, were, and, they, they, were, they were banking on the fact that people were going to use their, their Xbox One as an entertainment center. Right. Which failed horribly. Yeah. So, you know, they, they announced, uh, you know, a few games that uh, are coming out that I'm sure are exciting for some, some fans. Um I'm just not a first-person shooter fan. People who listen know that. But they announced the the the, uh, the Master Chief Collection, which is HD remakes of basically one, two, three, four. I don't was think one it, already out before. Yeah, but I think they're throwing it in there Let's as put well. It, in there. it doesn't have ODST, from what I understand. And while it is just old stuff in a shiny new wrapper, and I'm not big on that. Wait a minute, weren't the other ones already HD three and four? Weren't they already? Well, uh, even, they're going to they're, they're going to make actually, this three three. I think only did. 480 really on the 360 yeah i think three only did 480 i could be totally wrong but it was it was very low oh wow yeah but i mean basically i think they're just making it look nicer for the the xbox one 
Um, something that I think is kind of interesting, though, about this, and like I said, I'm not at all in, in, invested in uh, Halo, um, but it is generally seen as a multiplayer game. And what I think is very cool is that you'll be able to go online and play multiplayer m matches with all the maps from all the games. So you can be jumping from Halo 1 to Halo 4 and back and all over the place. As a, as a multiplayer package, I see this as being pretty cool. As a single player package, I see this as kind of a cash grab, I guess. You well, know, how much is it going to cost, you think? Well, probably basic retail price. Like 40 50 bucks for games? No, probably that, 60 For games that already came out, they're just putting new textures I'm, on? I'm guessing 60 You must love it because like it's minimal work for these studios to put out these like remake packages compared to like a, a new AAA title. Why must I love it? I'm just saying, it's just like, oh, it's a new thing. Yeah. It's, it's a new thing. Yeah. We'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just keep, you keep buying the same game with a new fresh coat of paint, and our uh, profit mar margins through the frickin' roof. The fact of the matter is I don't give a shit about it, but I'm just trying to be positive about it. I know that there are people simply for the multiplayer aspect of it, and having everything right there, just, just that they're gonna it. love it for that. Um, you know, they talked about, uh, well, they, they, they actually didn't talk about it. They didn't mention Connect once, not during the actual press conference. And after... Um, and after conference stuff, you know, people would ask questions and they tried to imply that the Kinect was not being abandoned. Um, they announced the Fable Legends game, which is another Fable. Uh, this one is having a heavy online focus where you can do co-op with um, other players. And I don't know. I mean, and then they talked more about Sunset Overdrive, which is a game that I actually think looks fantastic. I'm not buying an Xbox One to play one game, but I think Sunset Overdrive looks great. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was a phenomenal showing from Microsoft, but it was just such a step up from last year that it was, it's, 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 it's better. Okay. Well, well, We're offering you our system cheaper and here are the games that at least our core audience wants. Well, they hinted at a Gears of War. What was the big ones last year? Rise? That no one cares about, no. And that that Capcom Dungeon one was it was was that the one where, remember that one where the the fire against the guy in the shield? It's like no, that was a that was, was a PS that was a PS4 just oh, demo. Was, yeah. was it a demo? Yeah. But I, mean, I can't remember the big games they showed last year for Dead for, Rising. Dead Rising. Dead Rising, which they announced like a, a, a super crazy like DLC expansion for called Super Ultra Dead Rising Three Arcade Remix Hyper Edition <laughs> EX Plus Alpha Prime. <laughs> That's funny at least because that shows how ridiculous. They're right. I mean, they, they're at least acknowledging how stupid it is, and it looks like it's going to add like Street Fighter characters. There's like a, a huge like zomb a massive sure. zombie like uh, M Bison. Like, yeah. it would actually probably be fun. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, at this point, it's blood from a stone with these zombie games to begin with, even with Dead Rising. So, I mean, sure. they got to do whatever they have to do in order to keep it going. So, so. then, you know, we, you look at, and I'm, 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 you look at Sony's conference, and I'm skipping over Nintendo for a reason for now. Um, and I think they were just a step ahead of Microsoft because they were announcing, I think, a little bit more in the way of newer titles. Um, no Man's Sky. If uh, if that game comes out and is, is that, is that, is, yeah, No Man's Sky. If that, if that, that, that that's that's the free free roaming uh, space one. It's like the mining start. trading. Yeah. If so, that, basically, so basically, it's it's like Elite or or Light Speed or Privateer, Starflight, or, yeah. whatever. If if that even approaches what they're saying, it is but, that will get me to own a PS4 um, because I grew up on those games as see, being like my favorite games and i just i would love to play a modern one see i, I would hope i would hold out hope that would come out for the pc though that's what i would hold out hope for for a game like that sure because i want to use a joystick 
for that in the keyboard. You know what I mean? Harold grab his throttle. Yeah, I do. Yeah. When I played, <laughs> I when I played X-Wing and, and TIE Fighter, I had a joystick so did on I. the keyboard. So did I. That, that, and Privateer, yeah. I, I'd use that. You can't use a mouse or even a controller for that. I mean, you can use it with an analog. You can't. It's not the same. It's just no. not the same. But, I, I mean, that game looks good to me. And uh, so did Bloodborne, which is being made by the same um, people who do the, the Dark Souls series from software. They also do the uh, critically underrated i would say <laughs> armored core series um you know that one looks interesting it looks to be very difficult just like the demon souls and dark souls games a uh, very dark atmosphere and uh the one that's got me i think more excited than anything is um the announcement that grim fandango is coming to ps4 and vita um that was tim schaefer's last game at LucasArts, sure. i believe uh you know considered one of the all-time greats of the adventure game series and, you know grip did games. not do well at stores it well, sort of never found the audience but it has obviously a cult following it didn't do well at stores because the 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 sure. shift from preferred genre had gone from adventure game to first person shooter yeah it never did poorly because what was that 96 I would say 97. Yeah, by 97 then it was or 98. Definitely, it definitely yeah. So by then. They, they were totally releasing a game into a market that, well, there was no market for it. And it, it's it's become this cult favorite, uh, a beloved little masterpiece. And it's going to be awesome to play something like that on the go. Yeah, I was just thinking, I, I, that's a game I never, never see the swap. I mean, I see a lot of the old Sierra titles. I never see a copy of Grim Fan Thing. No one bought it. And his then. you know his title in a lot of the LucasArts games is, you know, is changing. But, you know, if, if they can do this. I don't know how they got the rights to it. Maybe he owned all the intellectual property for it, but I would love to see, like... Oh, God. Give me Day of the Tentacle again, or give me Full Throttle. Like, Full Throttle in a modern engine could look beautiful. Um, all games that I adored. So, anyway, that that was Sony. Um, oh, by the way, No Man's Sky, I looked up on Wikipedia, it will be procedurally generated, so it is like Elite, where I guess every time yeah, you it just, start it just the game, keeps it'll, going. It'll just keep going. Now, but but there has to be an element though to keep it interesting. Besides, all right, obviously, I mean, it's, it's almost gonna. You don't hope that okay, it's gonna randomly create these planets. That's fine. But after a while, you're gonna see all these combinations of different stuff. What's gonna hold? What's gonna be the glue that holds that together? Well, it depends on you how know, much stories they, they release. You know, storylines that you can go into a little bit. Right. Besides they, the secondary missions like Privateer that are fun by themselves. And that's kind yeah. of interesting. I mean, you could almost think of it. I mean look at it in the way of how they do uh, the wrestling games where you can actually write entire storyline scenarios over the course of a year. That's true. If they include some sort of editor where like you can share storylines or wars or battles or things that aren't in the game, you know, or just insert them for you to find randomly, you know, if you can constantly be updating this persistent world, that'd be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the one left that we haven't talked about is Nintendo. And do you want to start with Nintendo? Cause... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we talk about Nintendo almost, almost every freaking week. Just because... The completely we, unnecessary Nintendo podcast. Well, well, first, because Nintendo gets the most shit out of every video yeah. game company. And we won't go into why right now. We actually had a topic about that, actually, why, why they get shit on. But um, Nintendo's... Uh, the 3DS has always do, done well the past couple of years. Obviously, had a shaky first year. And the Wii U had a very shaky first year and a half. It's been out for a year and a half at this point. And um, people were ready to write it off. And I always said, let's hold on a second. Wait until the console gets to at least its second year. Fully second year done. Because even the NES first year didn't do that well in 86. No one had it, really. No one really started buying it until 87. There weren't any... There was only, like, 10 third-party games in 86. Right. 
it's almost a parallel. There's, there's almost no third-party games almost for, for the Wii U. But the point is, let's see, they have a lot of bullets in the chamber, Nintendo, still. They still didn't, you know, they still didn't have the Smash Brothers release. They still didn't have the Mario Kart release. They, they still hadn't have, even announced they the didn't Zelda. Have, they didn't have their Zelda release. The only Zelda, they had they had the demo from Zelda back in 2011. That, that's the only thing they had it for that. You know, they, they didn't have a Star Fox. They had a, lots of bullets in the chamber. No Pokemon game yet for Wii U. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff they have there. Um, so, they had to show this year. They had to show up and say, this is going to be a system that we're not just going to just shove to the side and have worse performance than, you know, than the GameCube and have, like, worse sales. They had to show off what was... They had to get people excited. And I think they managed to do that by not just the staples, by but they have a few new IPs that look very, very interesting. I think the two new IPs uh, look great, and it's... One of the IPs, Splatoon, just yeah. looks... I mean, utterly fantastic to me. That is the type of game, and I just realized, you know, when I was looking over it earlier again, watching the trailer, I'm like, unfortunately, the way this game is made, this, the modes that we saw, those are going to have to be mostly online multiplayer modes because of the reliance on the Wii gamepad. Maybe. Well, now, but, now, but now you can use this the regular controller. Well, you can, but the, the map is important for tracking where the paint is. For a multiplayer, but probably, yeah. Or like so, a single player. But they've track. already said that, they've already said in, in, in an interview that, uh, you know, they do have a very specific vision for a single player game Good. and a very specific vision oh. for a local multiplayer game. So, one on one. So that's very cool. And the um, codename Steam. For the 3DS, which is another new IP. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. Really interesting aesthetic, and I like the idea of making a strategy turn-based, a turn-based strategy game. I think they said with like a little bit of action, that's going to broaden that genre to a lot of people. All I could think of, and it's not a game I don't think you've played, but it made me think a little bit of a game called uh, Valkyria Chronicles for uh, the, the PS3, which totally turns the strategy genre on its head. Um, so th- that's really cool. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I gotta I gotta tell you, and, and this might come as a surprise to some people because from reading the comments, I gather that people sometimes think I'm I'm anti Wii U. I'm just being realist about it. I bought one. I bought one after E3. Recently, okay. I, no, after E3. Now, which package did you buy? So here's the funny thing: cause I'm gonna need some words. Um, I'm gonna need some words here. I bought the Mario Kart 8 bundle. Okay. Now. What happened was, is I, I I looked at their conference and I saw Splatoon and I instantly fell in love. Okay, really? Yeah, just from that one game. Just from that one game. And then I saw the Zelda, and I'm not the biggest Zelda guy, but I'm like, this could be very interesting. Um, Toad's Treasure Tracker looked very well, good to me. We're, we're going to talk about yeah, some we'll of these get more we'll detail? get to okay. the, yeah, we'll get to those. So a lot of these looked interesting to me, but then I'm looking around and for whatever reason, and I haven't been a Mario Kart fan in years. I start looking and I'm like, I keep. I like I'm dipping into the Mario Kart 8 reviews and looking at videos. I'm like, this looks good. So where I think I'm eating words is, I think I said it on this this podcast, you know, uh, a few months back. But if I didn't, I certainly thought it for real in my head. Um, I had stopped thinking of Mario Kart as a potential system seller. Really? Because the Wii U one, I know it sold very well. I mean the Wii one. But really. The Wii one. It yeah. sold very it well. It sold well, but... But, but it, sat on, it sits on shelves longer at the store, and honestly, when you talk to people, that's where a lot of people are like, I'm done with it. I'm sick of it. People love or hate the DS one. Uh, more love than hate. I like the, the DS one. Yeah, the DS one I, like I think is fun, but the online was kind of broken. 
with the snaking and stuff. Yeah, the snaking people have, have cheats on it. Last time I played, you know. But I did enjoy that one. I you know, I'm, I'm good at the in local. <laughs> and then, um, you know, a lot of people were fifty fifty on the the Mario Kart Seven for the 3DS. So I just I'd seen it as a, a franchise that was declining, mm-hmm. but I just got really interested in it. And it's Vani's game. And when Vani and I it. got together and first started dating, we played a lot of fighters. But since then. We haven't had a lot of games that we've played, and we were like, you know what? I'm like, F it. I'm like, I'm going out of town for this nonsense. Here's exactly one half of a Wii U Mario Kart 8 bundle. Said, if you find it and you want to get the other half, I said, let's do it. And she said, yeah. And we got it, and holy crap. We played six circuits last night. She beat me five of the six circuits. Oh, there's six circuits in the game? No, there's there's eight. There's eight? Oh, wow. Well, four new cups, four new track cups, and four retro track cups. Okay. And, uh, I mean, it's just an utter blast. It's so, I mean, everything that they, they did wrong in 7, they flipped. So, anyways, getting off track a little bit, um, Nintendo is doing a good job with what they are currently pushing in terms of Mario Kart 8 and with what I think is coming out. Um, you know, you look online and people tend to flock together like minds, but so many people that I, I see on Twitter now just bought Wii U's. Yeah. You know, I don't um, think it's, I don't think it's going to be the massive comeback everyone hopes for, oh, no. but it's going to push it into respectable territory. Yeah. It'll push it into GameCube territory at least. Yeah. But we'll see if it goes above somewhere between GameCube and Wii. It's not going to hit the Wii numbers, but maybe in between GameCube and Wii, you know? Sure. You know, um, so, so just out of curiosity, what, were you, what controller were the second player? Were you using a Wiimo or a game? Or you, you can't use GameCube yet. That's not yet. What were you using? Uh, we were, um, using, um, uh, I was playing with the game, the the game pad, and then Vani just had a Wiimote with Wiimote. a classic controller plugged in. Oh, that worked fine. Yeah, yeah, and we have you know multiple classic controllers, and I'll probably grab a pro controller. And despite what some people have said online, I didn't find playing with the game pad too awkward or anything. No. So it's it's, that, it's that, lighter than you think. It's more comfortable than you think. That's one of the nice things. See, like Vani bought into a lot of Wii stuff when it was popular, mm-hmm. and it was nice of Nintendo to not make it all useless. It was like, oh, we oh, need yeah. controllers, and she's like, well, we've got this whole bag of controllers right here no. that we can totally use. That's great. And like yeah. I said, the GameCube adapter is coming out. So so going back to what they're introducing, let's talk about the Zelda game. Just from that little like minute and a half sort of teaser. I got chills and I, I'm not a Zelda fan. I yeah. mean, I've said that so many it, times, dude. I'm not... A, and I looked at that and I was like, I want to fucking play this game. It's impressive. And yeah. that, was, that was Game Engine too. That wasn't CG rendered, you know, Mass Effect garbage. That was... That's yeah. the game. Yep. It looked nice. It looked like, okay. They, it's almost one of those ideas that, not that, well, you probably could have thought of it, but open world Zelda game. That's like, wow, that's a cool idea. Well, a lot of people you know? made jokes, you know, ooh, like the first one. Well, yes, we, I, I'm pretty much every Zelda has been fairly open to explore, but if what they mean, and I'm almost certain it is, is the Western RPG idea of open world, like Zelda, but in a Skyrim type framework, yeah. that's going to be insane and zelda and the first zelda really is i mean yeah it's open world but you have to do specific things in a kind of specific order it's not it's not like you can just go off and create your own mini games you really can't oh kill the most octoroks in a minute no you it's not built into the game yeah i mean you know. i i never i don't know why i never thought of a zelda game like that but really if you put zelda in that framework i think it's just going to be fantastic yeah it'll be fun i i think that if if people weren't going to buy because of the Mario Kart, like they weren't Mario Kart fans, if you're a Zelda fan, you'll you'll buy the system just for that game. It's, sure. a, it's a killer. It's, it's going to be a killer app. Yeah, Mario Kart Eight seems to be shifting plenty of units, and whatever units Mario Kart Eight doesn't shift, Smash will shift or Zelda will shift, and well, that will get you back into like, like you said, you know, above game. Well, the problem. Territory. Well, the problem is Zelda's not going to come out until at least a year and a half. Yeah. 
until I fall st- next year. I still think this. Well, now that people are more excited about the Wii U, the split between the 3DS and the Wii U Smash Brothers doesn't bother me as much as it yeah. has in in previous discussions of the topic. Um, I think now what we are looking at is a lot of people who are more or less convinced that they might want a Wii U, and they're probably going to buy both. Yeah, let's talk about the Smash Brothers tournament. I watched a little bit of it uh, live, and that's, I mean, we, we, we spoke about this a couple months ago when they announced it. What what a great idea. I mean, simple, but Nintendo, great idea, great for the fans, you know, and, and great showing off your new console. I mean, they even had, they even they even forced the players to all choose different characters well, and, and so to, that you can show off all the new characters. And I mean, way, to bring in, way to bring in the people that Nintendo was kind of alienating previously, yeah. that we, we had talked about, the people who play more competitively. Like, they wanted everyone to be, yeah. they wanted to show you kind of every angle of this game. And, and the finals, at least the competitive finals, were one-on-one without items. But hey, guess what? All the other rounds had items. And the crowd had a fucking blast. Sure. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh my god, they got yeah, they got a, a Pokemon ball. No. It was fun. The crowd was going nuts when they got something cool and mm-hmm. unleashed it. You know? The only thing they didn't really like was uh, you know, like the, the, the final attack, whatever the hell it's called. You know, they don't they didn't like when that was getting overused. But whatever. It's like if you get that or you get the heart and get your life back, it's almost the same thing. It's like you're destroying everyone else. Right. You know. But um but no, anyway, it look that, that's gonna be a system mover. Um, like we said, now what's interesting is that they did not announce um, during during their uh, E3 video, uh, their, their digital direct, uh, Nintendo Direct video, they did not even mention Star Fox at all. Uh, they they didn't during E3 they say by the way we're coming out with the Star Fox game, which is really a strange approach. I guess they don't want to blow their entire wad during their. Their, their presentation. Or maybe they had approach. nothing to show and they just wanted to keep hitting people with, we've got, well, we're doing this and here's what it is, you know? I, I, maybe. But but it looks like it looks like it's at least developed. I mean, people were, I think, sampling it, weren't they? I don't believe so. I, from what I understood, it was an announcement and nothing more. All right. How about the how about the the direct video with the sort of a uh, robot chicken style? You see that it was pretty funny. No, I was I was working. I <laughs> I I watched the Nintendo con. I mean, I did go back and watch trailers it was really of funny. things, but I watched the Nintendo conference through my Twitter feed. Basically, I just you know people would update and say this looks cool, you know this and that. And then when I had time, like on lunch break, I checked out some trailers. They basically poked fun, uh, fun at themselves and and the fans during the, basically robot chicken. They had like all the characters hanging out like in like in a you know, like a break room talking about each other. They took a shot at, at Earthbound fans, you know, saying like, oh, Earthbound, when's Earthbound 3 going to be localized? You know, like they actually did that. It's funny as hell. It shows they have a sense of humor. They even, they hired Mega64 to do their announcement video for um for, for the Smash Brothers tournament. And they actually, you know, they went and filmed Reggie fils and had fun with it. So like they have a sense of humor in Nintendo. That's why you, yeah. have, you have to love them at least for that. Because Sony and Microsoft aren't doing anything like that. They but don't poke fun on themselves. At or, this point, they're the hum- they're the humorous, scrappy underdogs. Yeah, you know, Which I mean, funny to say because they're financially they're in great shape. Right, you know? right, but but they look like the underdog. Right, you know, you know, they they have the biggest you know franchises mm-hmm. combined. Not saying individually, but when you combine them all together, you know, they're the most valuable probably. How about my boy Pac Man? Yeah, how that- about my boy Pac Man getting announced for Smash from, from what company? Ian? Namco. Okay, the greatest <laughs> maker of video games. In the world, um, that was sort of a uh, not a weird one. It was just sort of unexpected. It, it, it would have crossed your minds. Yeah, they got Sonic in, but Pac-Man. Why not? The granddaddy. 
Well, uh, Namco, uh, Namco Bandai is helping them make the game. So I guess it makes sense. So, yeah, that makes sense. Did you, so you saw the trailer for that teaser? Yeah, got, I mean, that you, was... You got chills? That, that was, oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the, the, ghost, I, the fruit attack, the ghost attacks and everything? I lost my shit when I saw the Mappy Sprite in his Did hand. you really? Yeah, there's also, like, a Galaga Sprite, yeah. he, but but the Mappy Sprite, I was like, this is... You saw my tweet, right? <laughs> yeah, I did, I did, I did, I did, yeah, I did see that, but I, I just had a joy explosion inside, and I just... I, it was. Oh. It was so great. Make sure you have a towel for that. Um, Inside. Uh, <laughs> Inside. It was not external. Well, but also, they're going to have Mega Man in it. So, so like, that's... Uh, this is going to be... I, I mean, I mean they, had, they had Solid solid Snake in the last one. Ooh, yeah. Bullshit. Who cares? This is the. This is now they have all the major icons. They have Donkey Kong. They have Link. They have Mario. They have Pac-Man. They have Sonic. It's like a good... And Mega Man. It's like the Dream Team. The only thing they're missing is probably, like, Simon Belmont. It's the only one missing. <laughs> Seriously. Cool. It'll probably yeah. be the next one. You know, like, so Nintendo's doing a great job with this. Not the stupid Sony All-Stars. Who gives a shit about that game? No one does. Right. You know, this is this is the main well, event. Nintendo has built up the mascots that they use in these games over decades. Sony mm-hmm. had built up the mascots they use in that game over a decade or maybe over a year. There was people yeah. in the game. And I'm like, who's this? Per- like, who's this person? Right. <laughs> you you know? Know? I mean, and, and you know, I mean, Smash is a fun game, but I mean, half of the fun for me is just, you know, picking these, just picking these characters and watching them be completely uncharacteristic and beat the crap out yeah. of each other. Happy Pac-Man just yeah. wait, beating people. <laughs> now, ways. now we're just waiting for Bonk to yeah. make an appearance. Oh, Come on. Konami owns it. If they get Bonk and Simon Belmont and we're, we're, we're good. Uh, had the Toad game they announced that looks like a cute little game. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm excited. I'm, I will buy a Wii U this year. It's just a matter of when am I going to get one. When am I going to have time to well, actually buy one and play one? And maybe maybe I'll. There's really good bundles out right now. You can for two ninety nine. You can get the bundle that has Wind Waker HD, which was actually what I chose as my free game. Oddly. Uh, with the Mario Kart 8 part, because you got a free game. Oh, so you can get for $300, you get the Mario Kart 8 with? The, with so Zelda? this is what they have. They have, um, not to advertise, yeah, advertise but, for Nintendo. but whatever. Uh, they have, For 300 you can get the one with uh, New Super Mario Bros. U and New Luigi U. Um, or you can get the one with the Wind Waker download, or you can get the one with a physical copy of Mario Kart 8, and when you register it, if you do it by Ju- the end of July, you get either Pikmin 3, Wind Waker HD... Uh, Mario U or uh, We Party You for free? Huh, that's not bad. No, I, for- I forgot about the We Party You game too. Yeah, so I we we went with uh, Zelda just because I kind of want to give Wind Waker another shot. So yeah, no, I mean it was an interesting E3. I you know it, it, the Nintendo conference honestly excited me the most, but I really don't think anyone had a terrible showing. Um, and that's pretty much that. Who won? We all won. We all won. We all won because if you play something and you're having a good time, you win. All so, right. So we're going to stick on the, the big video game topics. Capcom. Pretty yeah. big announcement today, uh, as in June 18th. Yeah, so Capcom's... Basically, they have nothing in place anymore to prevent a hostile takeover. Meaning, and the shareholders some, triggered this. Yeah, the shareholders triggered this. The shareholders basically vetoed down their last options to do this. They basically they had like a poison pill option. They called it where uh, you know they could basically put more shares out there and basically and combat buy the buy right, yeah. right, and buy it buy it themselves. Um, and they vetoed that, and you know basically get your shit together. Um, 
the thing is, is I think everyone thinks immediately right now that Capcom is is doomed or done. Now, I've been saying for a long time Capcom's in bad shape, but this does not mean, just because this has happened, this does not mean that someone is going to step in and buy Capcom immediately. Sure, there's steps in between here. Yeah. That can be countered by, by the uh, directors at the company. But I just, you know, I think it does send a pretty strong message to a lot of these uh, there's a lot of in a lot of the Japanese game development uh, studios like Konami is another one that's just in rough shape. You know, like, now why it. now why is it just so much bloat? I guess you know. I mean, as far as I can tell, it's 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 uh, tradition. It's uh, stodgy business practices up top. You know, it's like when we talked about Igarashi. You know, leaving. Um, it was because here's the guy that made Castlevania. You know a cash cow for you on the Game Boy Advance and DS, and you decide to stick in making mobile sims. It's because you wouldn't let Ka- Capcom, you wouldn't let Kaiji Inafune, um, you know, continue doing what he does Cancel best. your Mega Man game that uh, people are looking forward you to. You upset yeah. Ono enough, the guy who makes Street Fighter, that he steps down from his position uh, today, I think it was today, uh, at uh, Capcom Vancouver. Now, he hasn't left the company, but, you know, he stepped down from his big position of power. Like, you're not making anyone happy, and you're not making games that are making people happy. People are buying them, but I think people have slowly stopped. It's it's all the DLC. It's the fact well, that you're not giving people the games that they, they're expecting well, yeah. when you say, that here's a new Castlevania game, but guess what? It's not Castlevania. It's God of War. We spoke about how all the ridiculous... Uh, I get, people got t- tired of the Marvel vs. Capcom, you know, $4 for two outfits or whatever, that bullshit. Yeah. Or people get tired of having another version of Street Fighter every freaking year released. I mean... At some point, it's saturation. Yeah. It's just this. It happened with Street Fighter 2. People got sick of it. Every six months, there was a new version of it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, in, in the freaking Dead Rising, they're making fun of it themselves. Right. You know, but, how ridiculous it and is. It's, and it's, it's cute that they're making fun of themselves, but that self-realization is obviously coming just a little, little too late. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people, you know, want... If you, if you, if you look around online, you know, the, the big chatter is... Pardon me. A lot of people want Nintendo to buy Capcom. And I, when I think of Capcom personally, when I think of the good times I had with Capcom uh, games, they were games that I played on the NES and Super Nintendo. Uh, I mean, it, that's not well. That's not true of the reason stuff. But I mean, when you think of Mega Man, I mean, you think of an NES. When you think of playing Street Fighter with your friends, most people remember the, the, the Super Nintendo version. Well, well, you realize the, the alignments there, obviously. Hell, you have Mega Man coming up in, in the new Smash Brothers. So right. They have, a, they have a decent working relationship, at least. Um, but Nintendo obviously has the cash to do it. They have the cash flow. However, Microsoft has more money than them if they really wanted to go after them. Yeah. You know, be, not, not from the business side, just Microsoft as a general company has a huge amount of money. Right. You know, so they could do it. However, I guess it would depend upon the rules of how what they accept. Is it highest offer? I don't know. This is, the, this is what they released... After the announcement that they're not going to block hostile takeovers, the shareholders. This is what the company released. Despite of non-approval of renewal of takeover defense at the 35th Ordinary General Meeting of shareholders, Capcom will continue to focus on further preserving and enhancing corporate value and common interests of its shareholders. If there is any large-scale purchaser of Capcom stock, we will react to make necessary measures within the admissible limits of applicable laws and regulations. In addition, we will react to take steps to ensure... Disclosure of the position of the board of directors and other information and that there is sufficient time for shareholders to examine the proposed large-scale purchase and reach a decision. So, yes, there are in-betweens here. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to be bought out next week. This is the first step, though. Yeah. This is the first step saying, shareholders to to the directors of the company, get your shit together or else you're not going to have a job down the line. 
basically. Yeah, and I don't think it's a bad thing for the industry. I mean, I, you know, whatever the the that's maybe the specified reasons are for them vetoing it. Um, seeing a company like Capcom that you once thought was infallible, you know, at this point, it's got to have a lot of companies, whether they're on the the, the western side or the eastern side, going. Oh, okay. Like, what are we doing business practice-wise that they did that backfired for them? Do you imagine, though? Do you imagine if Nintendo did buy Capcom? Yeah, what a game-changer that would be. That'd be pretty cool. Do you imagine if all those all those the properties became Nintendo exclusives? <laughs> that would, all, all of a sudden, everyone would have to buy a Wii U, basically. Yeah. You want to play Street Fighter? You gotta buy a Wii U. Wii U yeah. Do you imagine how weird that would be? That'd be very strange. Oh, definitely. You want to play Dead Rising? Weird. Wii U. Monster yeah. Hunter? You know, like... It, I, I, over the over the past like couple of years, I've always kind of thought of, of Capcom as being an Xbox first system. Don't know why. Maybe just because I had an Xbox for longer before a PS3, or because third parties in general have shunned Nintendo. But I mean, I could see Mike. I mean, I don't know if I could see, but it would almost make sense, I guess, if Microsoft tried to protect some of these properties that they've held so dearly sure. exclusive, or tried to keep you know uh, as you know. Um, Certain titles that they, that they that they imply are are Xbox oriented, you know. So I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Oh, we didn't bring up the fact that like a company like Ubisoft or EA could always make a bid too. EA's got the EA's got the cash, you know. I don't know that Ubisoft does, but all right. What if EA went after them then? That'd be interesting. That'd be gross. It'd be great. Yeah, it'd be gross. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be worse than the companies going out of business by themselves. Yeah. Well, they bring back Mega Man Soccer though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. FIFA Mega Man. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the GTA Five uh, PS4 versus PS3 video real quick? Just real quick. I don't know if you've watched. I it. will. I did, and I watched it. Um, I it guess, was very interesting. It actually surprised me more than I thought it would. Well, here's what surprised me about it: is uh, I am not graphics first, but I'm also not one of those you know staunch retro heads chanting a mantra. You know, gameplay over graphics. Look, if I'm playing an RPG or something or an immersive, a game with an immersive world, I'll take that extra coat of polish, okay? So I watched the video, and the funny thing to me is, I, I don't know if it's just the games I'm playing, or if it's because I don't play AAA you know, titles, as they call them, but I looked at the first shot, right? And I go, wow. And then it's like, PS3. I'm like, okay. And then they show the waves crashing on the PS4 version, I'm like... Mind absolutely blown. I didn't realize people were doing these sorts of things to the PS3 because it's just not well. It's just not on my radar. I, I, it, well, here's the thing. I looked at the video. I'm like, to me, it's like, wow, that's acceptable. That looks really good. The PS3. I, I'm satisfied with that. Then yeah. you see the PS4. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So, but again, it's like, is that the jump up that you need to get that much better versus the PS3? I'm more interested in the, in the computation power. Yeah, I think I read something about the fact that like one of the sort of glitches and bugs. Is like in the PS3 or I guess Xbox 360 version is that like you'll have a lot of this similar type of cars showing up because right. it doesn't have the power to do all the different so, random so ones. So it churns all the same ones. Exactly. Out, yeah. This is something that the PS4 and, and Xbox One versions. It'll be more randomized. You'll have more traffic flow. More. That's me. Okay, that makes a hell of a lot more sense to me. They show like walking on the street, like you know, seeing the the, the headlights off off of the the ground. It, it did look realistic. It's yeah. like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do, do you need that in the game necessarily? No, but if this is this is the final frontier. I always say this is the last console generation. This is the final frontier. All right, we're there. I mean, that's what you got. Yeah. So there you go. I, I still have no interest in playing the game, but there was one... I do. I actually was, do. Really? There was one shot. I still don't, but there was one shot, and it was... Uh, 
it was the forest shot with the grass swaying. And oh, it yeah. was just how different because it was flat. There was nothing in the PS3 version. And then there's like actually a field in the PS4 version. I'm like, if someone could just take that power and just procedurally generate a forest for me, I would never leave my house. I would just walk through something that looked that nice. You would forever. virtually just walk through a forest and get eaten by a bear at some point. Yeah, exactly. I would do that. <laughs> you just... I would play that game. But some of the shots... Get the eaten compar- by a bear. Some of the shots in the comparison... I'm like, okay, there's a little extra thing there. Yeah, there's a couple that weren't super impressive. But, like, the traffic is what impressed me. The traffic was like, wow, that looks like, almost like watching, like, yeah. Like, you're watching, yeah, and plus there were so many more cars, too. Maybe, I don't know if they, I don't know if they tested it precisely the same way, but there was more detail, obviously. So, this, honestly, this makes me be like, okay, if I'm going to play this version, I will probably wait for the PC one, because that'll be able to do that. You'll be able to mod it, too. You'll be able to mod it, too, and and depending on your graphic power, it'll probably look better depending on what sort of what your specs are on your computer. Let's now, I will, I'm will. going to hold out hope that there will be a Wii U version at some point. <laughs> I feel so bad there's not there a Wii U version. Be. And I don't care. But yeah. Anyways, I would like to, and it'll be a fairly brief topic, I think, but let's uh, talk about something that's pretty important to both you and I. Uh, I want, you, you, you should probably lead on that one. So, so Ian and I are both huge Calvin and Hobbes fans. Yeah. Uh, Bill Watterson, a genius, um, retired from comics which was Calvin Hobbes on January 1st, 96. That was the last Calvin Hobbes comic after 10 years. And he stepped away. He does not like attention. He has rarely done interviews. I think he's only done about two or three interviews in 15 years. And these were written interviews, maybe only two actually. The last one was like he did, I think it was like he answered 10 email questions like a year and a half ago or two years ago or something like that. No, he did. Or was that a, one recently? He did a fairly extensive one with uh, uh, Mental Floss Magazine. Before that, I was going to say. Yeah, before that. He did that, one, yeah, he did yeah. like a 10 question sure. Q&A, did the Mental Floss one, and then I was sort of shocked. Uh, there's 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 that uh, documentary coming out, um, called, I think it's called it was Zapped. What is the documentary? It's basically examining how... It's con- not Zapped, but yes, I know. Um... Stripped. Stripped, not zap. Yeah, stripped. Where it's examining the change from comic strips from the traditional paper to digital medium. And they're interviewing all these uh, independent artists who do it online and also some of the old mainstays. And Bill Watterson actually was interviewed for it. Not on camera, but audio. You hear his voice and just... No one's ever heard his voice before, ever. He's Dude, never, it's, it's like you know, the, it's it's like like, the Watterson comeback tour. He, he, yeah. he seems like he's mellowed a bit with age, and he's still technology-adverse, but like he... He's not that old. No, I know he's not. What, he's like, like probably early 50s? He's like my dad's age, yeah. He's like 50, 52 or 53. So, I, I don't know, it's just... Um, anyways, It's it seems like he's okay with acknowledging what he did. For a long time, it seemed like he did not want to live up to what he had created, and now he's all right with it. But anyways... So, so, so this is what we're getting to. Is that now we sort of, I guess, tip tiptoeing back into the... Not even the public limelight, but at least people know he's there. Uh, there's a comic strip called Pearls Before Swine. It's one... When I, when I last read comics comic strips in a newspaper, it, that was one of the ones I used to read. Sure, same here. Uh, because it, it, was, it had a dark, sardonic sense of humor. It had twisted, morbid humor at times. And basically, it's a... He writes almost himself as a cartoonist, and then you have a you have a mouse who's very just acerbic <laughs> and an asshole, basically. I like the mouse. <laughs> yeah. There's also a pig. I think mm-hmm. there's, there's a mouse, a pig, and there's him. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So I used to read Pearls of First Swan and Mutz. Mutz is also extremely brilliant for its art style, which throws back to like the 40s and, and 30s. Um, actually, he, the guy who draws Mutz is in New Jersey, lives kind of near where I used to live. Anyway, the whole point is that Pearls of First Swan is not drawn that well. That's not the, that's not why it, people know it. it. It's the sense of humor. He's a great writer. It's very simplistic. It's almost like Dilbert style art. 
So somehow, Bill Watterson and, and the artist, uh, the creator of Pearls Before Swine. The artist had been trying to get a hold of Bill Watterson yeah. to no luck. And he finally did. And they had this great idea where Watterson would, in secret, step in and draw a series of three strips. But it had to be kept secret until yes. the last strip ran. And so, you know, you should just go read the guy's tale. But to Steven, read, Steven Pestis. Yeah. To read Pestis. his tale is pretty funny because, you know, you are contacted by an all-time legend. You know, one of this guy's obvious idols. The guy's like, yeah, this is going to be fun. But, you know, there was a couple, you know, he was even, he even said he was surprised at how, like, cool Watterson was with, like, suggested changes and stuff like that. Like, he was like, yeah, no, that's funnier. He even told him, he's like, he's like, that was like one of the best things I've ever heard in my life was Bill Watterson telling me that my idea was better than his. But he was afraid because Bill Watterson, once again, is technology adverse. And he suddenly realized Bill didn't really know how to get his stuff over to him he didn't know how to scan in his his his, his strips right, because he didn't want to hold his original material knowing that it would be worth something he just wanted bill to scan it in yeah and, and, and he, get it to him and he bill also offered just to mail it and he said no no, 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 no we're, we're not yeah. doing that <laughs> right that's... we're not having your show up on ebay for fifty thousand dollars your first original you know comic strip in in almost 20 years that's not happening so basically it was also a very brilliant um, premise. Mm-hmm. I guess. I guess uh, Stephen in, in Pearls Force One has this younger girl character. She's like five or six. No, he that, said he created her. Oh, for, did he, create he created this? her for this because her name is Libby or Lib, which is basically Bill, Bill. backwards. So, so um, shows up as an artist, and then so Stephen in the comic strip says, "Oh, let's see what you can do," and obviously just draws a Bill Watterson style comic strip that's like light years ahead of what Stephen can immediately do, and just so seeing just seeing that. The, the you know the juxtaposition of that is what makes the three strips funny. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that on the website to see people commenting on it, some people do say, "Wow, that looks like Bill Watterson," even from the the lettering uh, of the wording. Yeah, some people are like, "That's not Bill Watterson. That looks cheap. That looks cheap." And some people have no idea that he that he would. First of all, they have no idea because he hasn't drawn anything. He did draw. He did actually draw, draw the artwork for stripped. Which was cool, and he has drawn stuff for. He has done artwork, and he's had gallery showings and things like that. But this is the first strip he's drawn, and um, so it's it, it's amazing if you're a comic strip, strip fan at all. If you're obviously a Calvin Hobbes and a Bill Watterson fan, you have to see these three comics. It's just a glimpse into now. Okay, here, here's the the man now. Maybe tiptoeing back into the world. Not saying he's going to start a strip up, but at least he fucking drew something out of the public uh, thank you like that's all we wanted <laughs> um, yeah the 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 my favorite of the three was the uh the martian attack one because it's just classic freaking bill Watterson. oh yeah like yeah. Sp- i was waiting I, I i i literally looked at it for a couple minutes to see if he hid spiff in there somewhere knowing that watterson would never do never something do that. like that but i'm like where is he like this is basically right out of a spaceman spiff strip and the other good thing about it was if you know anything about watterson watterson was notorious for hating the limitations that the comic strip syndicates and newspapers would give him for the spacing. Yep. Um, so, because you would, you would, if you're a comic strip writer back in the before the '90s, you were limited to this is your one space, this is your second space, and drawing is your third. Watterson, his the last few years he drew, he drew whatever he wanted to. He he did vast sort of pastiches and you know just like he got he, space, but he was allowed to panel it however he wanted. Exactly. 
he, um, so he come in in this comic strip is there's a little note about complaining about about how the girl complains about the strip limitation. Oh, I can draw something better if I had more space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says he says, "Well, wow, that's really good, Lib." And she goes, "I could do better if there was." Yeah, I could space. do. I could do more space. <laughs> yeah. So it was just I can imagine Watterson cracking up, you know, out the out in Ohio or wherever he lives there, just cracking up at himself. Yeah, because that's that's what he was struggling now as a girl. So yeah, it just it just brought it, it, it came out absolutely nowhere. Um, so who knows? Who knows what's gonna what's, what's gonna happen? If, I, I would love to see him interviewed by sixty minutes or someone like just sit down for ten minutes as an interview. Eh, I'm know? okay with what he's given us. You don't want to scare the man back into you know hiding. You know, but like I'm very happy that he's dripping us little tidbits here and there. It's 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 like seeing a friend again not to sound cheesy but it, it's just it's very nice to have oh, yeah. that back in life again like every once in a while bill watterson's actually doing something yes again. so go to steven pastis that's his name dot wordpress.com he tells a story about how it was like capturing bigfoot and he even said there's only one actual photo of bill watterson in existence so it is like bigfoot. Mm-hmm. the one picture of him smiling with his mustache and his goatee and it, you know and th- that's it um so yeah this doesn't mean there's going to be a Calvin and Hobbes movie, nor do I want one. But I would love to see more of Bill Watterson because he's now probably uh, the, the the biggest living legend of you know cartoonists alive. Sure, especially I mean, it's certainly if you narrow it down to like newspapers. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I don't think it's close. No, it's not. There's there's no there's there's no second place. I would say maybe Burke Breathed, but that's that's a distant second. The guy who draws the Far Side, maybe. Uh, yeah, Gary Larson, Burt Breathed, both of those guys would be would be but but up Calvin there for me. But no, still, Watterson is still yeah still above that. Yep. So thank you, Bill. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so um, Ubisoft found themselves in a bit of hot water recently. For uh... did they though? We'll talk about it. Well, I okay. So here's the deal. Ubisoft is, requ- is releasing uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. And in the game, you can go online with four other characters, uh, or four people, and you can play. And it's all male. And it created a bit of a fear, and you'll notice something about me. I, I, I oftentimes take issue to wording. Um, and Versus the message, the actual word. Well, I have, more, I, have, I have issues with this all the way through, but um, wording is going to piss me off almost more than anything. And it was that basically people are like, well, why can't we create female avatars for our online for the multiplayer for the though. multiplayer? And their response was, well, we had decided that we might do it early on, but we just we skipped it because we didn't have the time. And that's a slap to the face, I think, of a lot of female gamers who would like to play as a female character. Um. People have, especially because my issue, my issues with it are, are so many fold, and it's not even all just the female thing. So they're like, "Well, no, you're you're all gonna play as Arno, okay? Well, that's kind of lazy, but we're gonna let you have customizable costumes. So you're all playing as carbon copies of the same guy, okay? Of the so, other, so you can only play as. So is that more of an attack on their creativity then? Well, more than anything else. It's an attack on both, is what I think it is. I think it's a lack of creativity, but like I said, the way they worded it, the way they said, well, we were going to, but that would have been too much time, comes across as very insulting. 
Um, and you know what, the what, thing what, is, okay. is, whenever something like this happens, you know the the excuse is always time crunch, no time to do this, blah blah blah, wine wine wine. And someone else, many people in in other parts of the industry will come and be like, no, that's a lie. Really, it wouldn't take you that long to do this. So, but they could have said it for anything else, though. I, I mean, the fact that it was against you know obviously had not having a female, that's where people are glomming onto, v- yeah. versus. So what what if it was you know obviously what is it they put out what Assassin's Creed Three Liberation a couple years back right yeah. which had a female main character yes it did what if they announced that we didn't have time to create a male character for the multiplayer do you think that the, that the backlash would have been the same yeah I think that probably would have been I, I think it would have been looked at more as lazy than anything but I think you would have seen backlash the difference is it didn't have online multiplayer so it's a it's a moot issue at least I don't think it had online um, I'm okay with I'm perfectly okay with if this game calls for a male lead or if this game calls for a female lead, you do not have to put in an option for a male character or a female character. Sure, because it's a narrative. You decide the narrative. Right, you decide a narrative. But if it's for playing online and it's called other selves, I mean, what is another self? Another self can be anyone. I mean, you know, I mean, that's where you should be able to create whatever you want. So, yes, and this was what I was grappling with earlier today when I'm trying to figure out how to word my disappointment with Ubisoft. I think it's different. It's 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 disappointing from the level that they decided it just wasn't worth their time to do give you the female option. But it was also disappointing because you're not doing a very good job of selling your game. You not only sound like the women weren't worth your time, but you just sound uncreative. Well, but 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 it isn't okay. I'm playing devil's advocate here. You just said that you you're looking at it as Ubisoft saying the female gamers aren't worth their time. Isn't that you placing your expectations on them versus what oh, they're sure. actually coming out with? Though you said like for example they should have the female option. That's again your expectation of what this company should be putting out when it's their it's their product. It's for them to decide what they want to put out, and it's right. your decision whether or not you want to. That's purchase fair it. enough, but. If, at the very least, don't don't say that you were going to, and okay. then and then not. You're saying that's almost worse. You're saying yeah. You're going I just, to I just feel like on anything with an online component these days, where you're creating an avatar, having a female option, having an option other than, I'm I'm, I'm going to get flayed alive for this one too. God, people love to eat me up for my viewpoints. Um, I just. When it's when it's an online game, it's all about customizability, and when yeah. customizability enters the fray. I believe that gender is expected. Okay. That's a more reasonable argument, I, I think. That is that is my basic stance. It has nothing to do with the single player. It has nothing to do with the story. But when you're talking about online with customizability, you get gender choices, you get race choices, you get all these choices so, that let you play as the person. So, okay. So then someone made a decision at Ubisoft. Obviously, they can come out with DLC. They could add it back in if they want to. Maybe. Sure. But they still will. There's online petitions for it. I'm not sure how much that's going to do, but it, it, maybe if they find a skin of someone else in the game, maybe it was a female character, they can sort of just add the animations well, to that, it, Well, that was my thinking, and, that, and that's that's why I think some of the people were coming out and being now, like, that doesn't yeah. hold water, because you well, had, there's females in the game. Yeah, but they have to add all the animations to yes. the female. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know enough about programming to know if it's simply Neither do I. pasting it in. Because Neither do I. If you paste the female texture on the male, and all the swinging and jumping... Is that the same? I have no idea. No, but I like other people said, it shouldn't take that long. And basically, you should probably be able to pull... And now I feel like I am talking about but whatever. You should be able to look back at your history of games and find those animations. I mean, you have this stuff laying around. It's not like Ubisoft is without assets to create but characters. How, how, how I'm trying to try to see where Ubisoft mindset may be. 
how many people play that multiplayer? Like, is that a huge part of the experience, really? I don't know. I mean, I've never been into the Assassin's Creed series. I've heard that the games are... The, the multiplayer is good, but I don't know if it's a huge thing. But they really... I mean, it's in the name. Unity seems to be the... I mean, Unity Online does seem to be the big focus here. Now, I'll even admit that maybe storyline-wise, they are going to find some stupid way to say, well, nope, we couldn't do it, you know, but I still, I just feel like, well, with, I just, like I said, I just feel like in well, any sort of game where you're banding together with people making online avatars, race, gender should always be a possibility. Well, the fact that you told me that all the, even the other characters are exactly the same, that just tells me they're lazy. They're just being lazy. Well, yeah, I think it's lazy. Like, it's not sexism. They're being lazy. It's, it's Right. No. <laughs> and that's why, like I said, I, I was trying to figure out how to word it. I think it's laziness first. It comes across the sexist with how they worded it. Is how they worded it? Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I don't have a dog in this race. I mean, I, 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 you want to be inclusive in terms of multiplayer. I mean, going back to Unreal Tournament, back in the late in Unreal Tournament '99, you can be a female character. You yeah. Know, in that, you can be a male character. And that's know, what I mean. It's else. just I think it's um, come to be expected. Yeah. Okay. That that's fair. But I think they'll just add it back in. Um, yeah. I, I think we're at a weird point now with games, where well, it was also because of social media too. This is another point that we can bring up or, or not go into this at all is that I, I you know we have a lot of people that now they get a cause online and they go full force at it and this is one that probably i think caught ubisoft off guard because of that we are like wow this is like they're like probably like whoa wait a minute what what did we do yeah. you know like we just put out a game with a female main character and now we're being accused of being sexist it's I, just it's just I, i'm trying to look at it from their side and, try, and they're not dumb enough to put out a game i don't think that would be intentionally trying to hurt all these people you know i, no, I think they're just trying to bro, they made a decision and maybe it was just short-sighted and like okay we're stuck with our decision i, now I don't think now. it's so much that they're trying to you know they were intentionally you know trying to hurt someone it's to me it comes across as is naivety i mean like i sure, said not only is this sort of thing generally expected um but we are i mean we're currently in the middle of of uh, we're at a point in video games where um the ratio of male to female players and, uh, you know, uh, sexism and, you know, uh, you know, having equal representation. I mean, is that, is that a head, you know? So, well, I mean, when you're ma- so if now if, if, when you're making the game and it comes time down to the, the customizable options, it just seems silly. Like given the current climate, not everyone at Ubisoft is not paying attention to these also, things online. Okay. That's fair. But I also want to make the distinction, and I hope people don't call me sexist for saying this, it's not sexist to not include that. It's just, I think it's more naivety than anything else. It would be sexist if the only female character in the game was wearing a string bikini. Then that would be right. sexist. No, that, that, they just failed to include something they probably should, should have. have. Yes. You know. So I, I guarantee you, the, the, if there's DLC, they'll come out with it. Maybe they're too far in development now to really, I don't know, put it back in. I have no idea. It's like I said, if they if they had if they if they did this back in the nineties with games by now, yeah. If people were expecting it, they should put it in. They should. Oh, we could talk real briefly about that sweet little new glitch that was oh, found yeah. in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, we also talk about Minecraft as well. But we can talk about let's talk about the Super Mario Brothers glitch that uh it was I, I guess a Japanese upload on YouTube. Um really a cool glitch that it's amazing that a game that's now thirty years old, you can find new glitches. So yeah, it takes some time. This is a this, this is a this is a creative one. Well, yeah, you you have to play two players, and it appears from the video you have to have beaten the game at least once. You have to go through the first round. This is why 
Because after you beat, uh, defeat Super Mario Brothers, all the Koopas turn, and most of the Goombas turn into Busy Beetles. Beetles. Yes. And Busy Beetles, um, I, I guess, um, since there's a certain spots in the game where they were Goombas, now you can do weird things yes. if, they're, if they're Beetles or Koopas where they keep bouncing back and forth with their shells. So it plays off the classic one-up glitch where uh, you can uh, bounce a turtle shell, a Koopa shell, back and forth on a step and get, you know... 99 lives or something like that, I think, is the max for the counter yes. sets. But um, in this one, you need a two-player game started, and basically Mario has to make it to a specific spot in 1-2. Or Luigi. It can be either yeah, one. Yeah, right in the beginning. And then Luigi has to play all the way to what I believe is 5-2. Yes, it's 5-2. Start the vine and die. Yes, there's a vine, there's a vine right next to a hammer, brother. And... Go on the vine, get hit by a hammer brother. Go on the vine, get hit by a hammer brother. And what happens is when Mario's game starts, the vine continues growing up through the ground yes. in one, two, which is just, I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is the coolest shit I've seen all day. Like, I just thought it was so neat to see. Yeah. And then he climbs up on the vine. What the vine does is it acts, kind, well, against the edge of the screen and the two beetles, it acts as a constant jumping off point yeah. for him so he can keep hitting the uh, the, the, the busy beetles this, and uh, this was cool get all it. the one up. This is what's cool about it. And when you think about it, it makes perfect, it kind of makes perfect, perfect sense. You, there's never in, in Super Mario Brothers where you can climb a vine and I think it killed while you're on it. So they probably never even tested for that originally. They never thought maybe the Hammer Brother then shows up. I can't remember if he shows up there when you play through the first time. Maybe he does still. But that's a weird glitch where the game says to itself, okay, I'm, I'm having this vine go up, but now it's continuing with the second, yeah. the other player. It's just weird. And it's continuing right on Mario, right? When yeah. he comes back to 1-2. Yeah. And so, yeah. The what sound you said, never stops. The sound never stops. Yeah. Like even in the transition screen, you can still hear the sound of the vine growing. And so, for some reason, so then it, it's almost like when he's on the vine, he's invincible to the Beatles. The Beatles just go into him and start knocking back and forth. Yeah, it's really sweet. And you get yeah, you get nine nine lives just like the the one up trip trick on the stairs of the Koopa. So, so yeah, check it out. I'll link it or show it on the bottom. Um, really, really sweet stuff. It's already gotten in only ten days, twelve days. It's gotten like 1.2 million views. Wow. A Japanese uploader. Good on them for finding That's just cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, last of our big topics before we go into Q&A. Um, and honestly, I'm not a player of the game. So, I'm not either. I'm not so a big I can, only, I can only talk about what, what, what it implies and what, why, what I think of the reaction. <laughs> That's why I stopped talking, jerky. <laughs> anyway. Um, so... Basically, Mojang, the creator of Minecraft, has an end-user license agreement. They, they always have. Every game has one. Basically. Yeah, every game has one. And this one always has, and it's had one that says that you cannot make money off of Minecraft. With the noted exception that they had no problem with you doing YouTube videos and monetizing those sure. and whatnot. So basically, if you're running a server, you can't charge people for items, you know, and stuff like that. You can't charge real-world currency for this sort of or stuff. Or real-world currency for in-game currency. Or in-game so currency. And they're a busy company and a small company, and it, it came to their attention that these sorts of things were happening, and they weren't pleased about it, but they, at the same point in time, they took a rather... Even keeled view yeah. view to it, and Notch realized uh, Marcus Person, who 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 created uh, Minecraft, realized. Well, okay, look, we appreciate all the people who are playing. We appreciate the people who are running the servers. Servers cost money. And there's a big server load, so we're going to change the EULA so that 
they can monetize they can monetize certain things to get to to so they can help pay for their servers. You can charge to get into the server. So basically, yeah. he's like, you can charge to get into the server. He's like, but you can only offer one kind of ticket. He's like, and it's all access so, or no access. So basically, he doesn't want players to have unfair advantages that are paid for right. in this game. He, he wants all the user experiences to be the same. Yeah, he said things like hats or whatever. He said if if they want to charge for hats. That's fine. Um, if they want to charge for admi- admission into the server, that's fine. But no charging for in-game currency. No charging for anything. Basically, the staple rule is no charging for anything that actually alters the, the base game. game in any way, shape, or form. So a lot of people are bent up about this that run these servers, I, I suppose, because they're making money off of this. Honestly. Right. Right. And it, it's just it's 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 greed, and it's like you're lucky. I mean, it's it's right there in legalese. You know. I mean, he's not. He's not going after you. As a matter of fact, he's like, look, fine, guys, you need to make some money. Here's how you can do it. Yeah. He didn't even put a limit on the price you could charge. So if these people want to get crazy and they want to try to make back their money, they can try charging 100 and it'll be a business and, sure. you know, the, the best ones will rise to the top. Yeah. But uh, it's just, it, it, it's ridiculous that in this day and age to see someone try to meet you halfway and then get so utterly shit well, on for that, it's... It, the entitlement is ridiculous. Well, yeah, obviously gamers and, well, people just in general nowadays are entitled. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, it, it has to do with the internet. It has to do with Gen Y stuff. I don't know. Whatever was after Gen Y, too. But um, I think it's interesting that um, some people do agree with him because, yeah, he's looking out for the players. Yeah. I, th- I think I read something that where they got a letter saying, like, asking Notch back for the $100 that their kid spent on Minecraft stuff. And they're like, well, that shouldn't be happening. You know what I mean? You're taking advantage of people, and yeah, you're you're making yourself money off of off of my game where people are supposed to be having fun. You know, it's not supposed to be a. It's like a um, all of a sudden it's a micro transaction game, and you're getting a leg up. That's ridiculous, and I totally agree with him. And obviously, he has the right to do whatever he wants with his with his own game. Yeah, he decides what the the user agreement is. You have to abide by it or not. It's yeah. the same thing. Another company like. You know, in World of Warcraft, you cannot cheat in the game. That's against the user, you know, the EULA. It's against it. Um, so I don't know what it costs to run these servers. I have no idea. Uh, whether it's $100 a month, whether it's a few hundred. Obviously, it probably depends upon how many people are connecting at one time. Yeah, see, that's one thing you know? I don't know about Minecraft. Like, I have the PS3 version. I haven't touched it yet. I bought it by accident. That's a funny Ian is an idiot story. But, I mean, I'll <laughs> play it at some point. I am curious about the game. But, yeah, I mean, my, my understanding is that there are servers out there that house a ton of people, you know, and they live in the persistent world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are probably much smaller servers that cost little to nothing to run that are, you know, eight or nine people. So I don't really know what it's got or cost, but, you know, he's giving you a perfectly legal way to do it. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, you're going to have to toy with your monthly yeah. ticket price before yeah. you find a happy medium. But, you know, you'll get the money you need to run your server because people love the game and they don't want to leave it. Basically, I don't think the cost of running the server is ever so gigantic that they can't find a way to make that money. Maybe they're, maybe they're, it's almost like they're, they're afraid of, they're pushed, like, like drug pushers. They were getting people free before to get into the game. Then all of a sudden they realized they were outgunned by the other people paying for the different, I guess, currency. Or I think I read something about, like, there's a cape you can fly. They were trying to sell people, fly around the Minecraft No, world. capes are just, I think those are just, uh, 
Well, yeah, they are. Spe- yeah, you can't. He doesn't want you to sell them special stuff. That yeah. they're the whole point was that I think these 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 operators of these servers were making money off of. Yeah, people are getting for free. Then deciding that wow, in order for me to have really have fun, I got to start paying money for this shit. Right, and that's where it's wrong. Because it changes obviously the gameplay experience entirely. You're not on even keel anymore. And then obviously these guys are getting I don't know how much thousands of dollars these guys can be making, but maybe they are. Maybe these maybe there's guys that are living off of running these servers. Right. Well, and I never heard of that before off of a game like that. I never heard of someone running an Unreal Tournament server and making money off it. Go, go you know? earn an honest living. That's should we stop doing the podcast then? <laughs> this is not my living. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we time for, time for some Q and A? We can do a little bit, but I am fading. But I thought this one was interesting. Uh, this one was from Zach Harris. Zach Attack 1984. Do you think the overabundance of retro game shows online will cause viewer burnout? Do you see any end in sight for yourself? And obviously that's directed at you. Oh, I'm going to die at some point. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's a show. Um, no, it's not like TV where it's, it's forced at you. You have to seek out online content. You don't find it by accident, usually. So I don't think it will cause viewer burnout unless you yourself are causing it yourself. If that makes any sense. You I, the online me, online media, you are controlling the influx. Right. So you're only if, if if let's say let's put a number to it. Let's say it takes six shows similar to yours to cause you to burn out on it. You have to seek out those six shows in the first place before you achieve burnout. Just because there's a ton of shows around doesn't mean you have to click on any of them. Sure. You only have to click on the one that you want to watch. Yeah, and at this point, a lot of shows are, are very established. I mean, we'll just say we'll just say it's been. I mean, I've been doing videos for six years. We'll just say it's been five years since there's been a lot of popular YouTube shows. You know, that's there's an established sort of medium or order. Not saying you can't get popular. Obviously, you can. And look how far PewDiePie has gone up in only what a few years. You know, he's the biggest guy on YouTube. But you know where to get certain content now. All the niches have basically been filled. Um, now it's a matter of differentiating yourself. Right. That was yeah. what I was going to throw in is that, well, I don't think burnout is possible. I think one of the problems of overabundance is people roll their eyes so hard in the back of their heads, their optic nerves snap every time someone else comes out and says, I've got a new retro game show. It's like, sure. why do I, why do I need to watch your retro game show? Yeah. So that's a little bit different, I guess. So yeah, I don't know when, when it's going to be site when I, when I don't want to do it anymore or I find something better or I become a full-time writer. I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see. All right, this one's from Jason Overturf. At Jason Overturf. What chances do the petition to get Dragon Quest five, six, er, 7 and 10 to North America have? Um, I don't think a lot of these petitions ever have much of a, a chance of, of changing Oops. things. Although Operation Rainfall with those oh, sure. Wii games and Xenoblade Chronicles did show that, uh, you know, voices get loud enough, things can come over. Um, pertaining specifically to those two games, I think X has a Ice Cube's chance in hell of ever making it here. Um, why won't Dragon Quest X make it? It's an MMORPG that's been out for, what, two years? It, at least now? In Japan? For the Wii. Okay, it's just not gonna make... I just don't see it making that transition overseas. Dragon Quest Seven, though, I think if Square Enix is smart, they once said that we would only get one, Bravely Default or Dragon Quest Seven. Bravely Default did insanely well for them. I think if they're smart, they would probably bring Dragon Quest Seven over. <laughs> well, okay, I know nothing about any of that. All right, well, you go. Um, this is from at Pick Up and Play. I'm curious about your thoughts on WWE's release, recent releases and rumors of production cuts for both NXT and the main roster. 
All right. So this happened, what, about a week ago? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go look it up right now. There'll be roster cuts. Off the top of my head, the biggest ones they cut were Oksana, who was a diva, who was decent. She's come out with Cesaro when he first came into the Federation. They cut Jinder. They cut McIntyre. Yes. Of the three-man band, which were kind of surprising, and Brodus Clay. Those are the big ones. But Brodus Clay, he, he hasn't really had much to do once they turned him heel last year. They um, buried him in NXT. Is that what they did? Yeah. On they the way bar- out? I, I knew he was on his way out. They buried it's him. It's really, really a shame for him because he was supposed to be a monster. And then they even the promos when he came in two and a half years ago, he was a monster. Uh-huh. Was it even two and a half years ago? Two years ago? And then he comes in all of a sudden as the Funkasaur out of nowhere. People are like, what the hell is this? And it got over, though. People liked it. And then I guess it got tired. And then they brought in uh, uh, Prince Albert came back. Albert came back. And he was Tenside. And they changed him into his partner. Anyway. Um, I was really disappointed, uh, Ginger Mahal and Drew McIntyre, just because they were given the worst possible position with the three-man band. Yeah. And uh, they're talented. They're not, not talented. Drew McIntyre was, I think it was Intercontinental Champion like three, four years ago. He's a good wrestler. Both of those guys are good wrestlers. Yeah, they're, they're decent. And um, and what's his, what's the main guy's name? Uh, the leader of the three-man band. I can't even think of it right now. But um, he, he got himself over last summer during the... It was, was it the, Justin Gabriel? Not so, Justin Gabriel. No, no. Another guy they're not doing anything with. That's, yeah. Um, Heath Ledger. Heath, Heath yeah, Ledger. Yeah, yeah. Last summer... Heath, tw- no, not Heath Ledger. What? Not Heath Ledger. <laughs> this What's is his name? This is a disaster. I, this is just, why I'm tired. Just go. Just talk. What the hell is his name? Someone help me out. <laughs> Heath Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger. Oh, God. Uh, so last summer, they, it was the 20th anniversary of Raw. Like, the whole summer they were doing it. And so he'd come out and get his ass kicked by all the the... the all, all, Heath, oh, Jesus Christ, someone help me. Heath Slater. Heath Slater, thank you very much. Heath Slater would come out and Raw every week and get beat up by Vader, Doink the Clown, uh, DDP, uh, um, uh, Psycho Sid. It was fantastic. And at that point, Heath Slater wasn't, he was kind of just a jobber. But he he, 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 he did very well in that role of getting his ass kicked every every sort of uh, week by these legends. And he put them all over. Like, he got the clothesline from hell for, uh, and then he like flipped on his head. It was hysterical. So from that, they gave him a chance. So they started the three-man band thing, and they brought in McIntyre and, and, and Jinder Mahal, who were doing their languishing with no direction. And at first, you're like, this is really stupid. This is like almost like three three count back in WCW back in like 98, 99. Um, but it got over. It, 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 more and more, people were like, okay, they started out as heels attacking, but in the past few months, people were starting to cheer these guys because they they were endearing to some extent as the lovable losers. Yeah, and they were and they, they were and they were just feuding um, with the, with the with the uh, the matadors and the little Torito uh, guy, and, and it it had its place. And sometimes you need guys in the roster just to fulfill that sort of role, especially if you have nothing for them. So I think I don't know if Heath Slater uh, answered. He was on Raw, but I think he was upset about it, Heath Slater, because these are guys who was traveling with the past like yeah. six, seven months, and now they're gone out of nowhere. It just seemed like what a waste, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of upsetting just because once, one, like I said, I, I thought they were decent wrestlers, and I felt like, I felt like they didn't. Unlike Brodus Clay, who I feel like got shit canned because he's not a very good wrestler and he's not very interesting. They put him in that movie, which is funny. Now he's yeah. Um, you know, I don't feel like these guys got shit canned for lack of wrestling talent, but they just got stuck in a gimmick, and it it never. Here's the thing, NXT. So this goes to as far as production cuts for both NXT and the main roster. I think that's upsetting um, because I think NXT is the best thing they have. But 
I think they just looked at who they could cut because they have so many good people in NXT right now who are ready to pop. Like mm-hmm. um, Bo Dallas and... Well, Bo Dallas is resting on the roster. Yeah, now. Bo Dallas and Sami Zayn. And you know they pulled Cesaro out of there. And they've just got these slightly better options now in NXT. And, I mean, there is a point where your wrestling roster is too bloated. You can't do anything with a hugely bloated roster. So I just feel like it was, it was you know, it came down to it. And they're like, well, unfortunately, three-man band is kind of a joke. Boom. But they, but they made it a joke, though. That's the thing. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean... They were fulfilling the role that they were given just fine. So... They did some funny skits with that, you know, but whatever. It's just a shame... Um, they'll show up somewhere. Obviously, there's all, there's like the, what the GFWs starting up and uh, Jeff uh, Jarrett starting his own federation. Whatever, you know. Right. Oh well. Next question from Daniel Conklin at Daniel underscore Conklin. My wife and I, our early dates were playing and completing everything in Super Mario World type gaming. It, it, Super Mario World is gaming affinity a deal breaker for you? If we're talking about relationships, no. Um, And I I put this question in simply because, you know, obviously last night Vani and I set up the Wii U and we had a blast with it Mm -hmm. and it was great. And it is something that brings Vani and I together. But really, game gaming? No, it's just you just have to share some some hobbies in common with the person you're with. I'm going to break it to you guys out there. Yeah, I know Ian says something that there's a lot of uh, g- girls that game. Yeah, a lot of girls do game. Not on consoles. A lot of girls game on phones and things like that. A lot more guys. <laughs> I think uh, you're ridiculous. I think that I think the majority of console gamers are guys. I think if majority. you sat behind the counter at Luna for a week, you'd see something quite different. You think so? Yes. I don't agree. Well, so okay. here's, the th- here's the thing. So when you're going to go try to date someone, you you. If I think it's a bonus if they play console games, I think that's a nice bonus. I don't think it's something you have to, it has to be a requirement because you're going to disappoint yourself with anything else. I think in any know? sort of relationship, if you are looking for something hyper specific, especially in terms of a shared hobby, you're you're only doing yourself a disservice because you're cutting yourself off some, from so many other potential things. I've had plenty of past girlfriends who have n- not been interested in gaming at all, but you know we would both read a lot, so we'd pass books around, or we both really sure. enjoyed eating. So so we would go out, you know, to fancy restaurants, and that would be our thing to do each week. Like, it just doesn't matter as long as you have a couple of common grounds. Shit, you don't want everything in a relationship to be a common ground because then you have nothing to do to escape. I mean, everyone needs a little something, their own time, you know, that is theirs. You know, you in in if I, honestly, gaming. If if gaming is that for you, then great. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think that's a deal breaker at all. That's no, not. I said it's a bonus. So, this one is from Matthew Conley, Mataconda. <laughs> Ian, since Pat is a soccer-hating street tennis snob, what's your favorite old-school soccer game? Um, I normally don't do like bests, but uh, I do have a, a very clear favorite, and it's Nintendo World Cup made by Technos using the uh, you know the same gameplay style of Super Dodgeball. Um, the one with all the super kicks and stuff like that. I own it for three systems. If there are systems I don't own it for, I will find them and I will own it for that system. I have it for Game Boy, PC Engine, CD, and Nintendo. And it's just incredibly fun to play that game co-op with a friend. Um, so it's topical, it's World Cup time right now, and that's easily, I think, the best old soccer game I've played. Next from Jeremy Zoolander. Oh, I'm glad you picked, chose that question. <laughs> At Retropia TV. 
I would like to see you discuss the impact that YouTube gaming personalities have on the used game market. I added this one. Um, and this is one we should have brought up in the past. Um, I think this is this is unfortunately one of those really ambiguous questions mm -hmm. that's going to be impossible to measure. And unfortunately, it also depends on what what game you are talking about. Obviously, like um, one of the best examples is someone like Mike Matei will put out something like the 10 Super Nintendo James Super Nintendo gems you have never heard of. Obviously, then 250,000, 300,000 people, half a million people see that video. They're not they're not a secret anymore. But how many of those people are going to go out and spend 40 bucks on or 50 bucks the time at Demon Crest? Is there enough people to spend that money to bump it up to an $80 game? You know, that that's the questions that unfortunately I don't know how to measure them. I really don't. It's really rough. Um, obviously, if it's a common game, it's you're never going to put a dent in it. Right. You know, everyone already knows about Contra. You know, so if I do a review of Contra, James, you already know about Contra. Plus, there's a billion copies out there. Well, so how many more people are going to push the price up? I have no idea. Here's the here's the other thing that I would say. Um, I, I've noticed that working at Luna over seven years, uh, there is a kind of a unknown hive mind that that just exists in gaming. And oh, I think, sure. I think this is why. When you look at retro games, you have a finite library for each system. Everyone goes in and plays the games that were popular or the games that they knew. But if you get really into it, everyone goes out searching. And I remember, there, I mean, there's, there's always times where something becomes popular at, at the store, and I'm selling copies and copies and copies of it. And I always ask these people, I'm like, has there been a video out on this game? Or, you know, what, what's got you interested in this game? I've been selling it like crazy. And they go, no, I haven't seen anything. It just looked interesting. I, I think by nature of exploring, you are going to have these moments where a bunch of people stumble upon a game at the same time, and then they go online and they talk about it. I think that sometimes that... The, the YouTube personality is not the be-all and end-all of the hobby, for all it's, we it's know, a part, though. Right, it is a part, but for all we know, the YouTube personality reviewing current hot game found out about it from someone else who just happened to pick it up because they were exploring. I, I, I don't think it has that huge... I'm not saying it can't have a huge effect, but I think just the nature of there's only so many titles and people are always looking for new games to play, you eventually stumble upon a few every year that everyone just happens to be checking out. Yeah. Remember the internet's really, really large. There's, there's, there's retro game websites that I don't go on, like what Racket Boy that are huge, but yeah. I don't go on them. Other people do, so they, they're going to be talking about, I don't know, uh, like a hidden gem on the NES, like for example, uh, Danny Sullivan's in the heat. heat. Yeah, that's a good so, one. so, so like, <laughs> even if I don't do a review of it, maybe someone else even discussed it, and then it gets spread that way. I don't know. Like I said, like I, like I said, the only direct evidence I've actually tracked is Action Fifty Two. After James did his AVG video on Action 2, the price did go up on that. Was it just because of him, or just, or was it also because collectors were getting into it? He did his review, I want to say it was six, seven months after I did mine, so we're talking late 2010. Right. So that was also a time then when collecting was also in a boom, so maybe there was that too. Yeah, I just feel so. like it's, it's tough to tell because, I mean, it's not like Action 52 was never not popular. I mean, even back in the late 90s, people are like, you gotta check out the Action 52 cartridge, it's so, it's so bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Who knows what actually caused that price to, to rise? Sure. 
I've not had any effect. I wish I could have that effect. I wish I can get people to say, oh, The Last Starfighter, that was a great game. Go, Well, actually, I did a Last Starfighter review, but I don't think it pushed the sales much. No, no I don't think it did at all. Maybe, Pan- maybe, maybe my Panic Restaurant review did for that game. Whoa, when I reviewed it, it was like $70, $60 back in 2010. Now it's like, what, 200 or more? Whatever. This one is from David Snoozegrop. Do either of you cook? What's your signature dish? And I put that on because I think we both do. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, well Ian used to live kind of by himself. Then he got a roommate. I live by myself. You have to cook. I mean, it's just too expensive to go out and always eat. And it's not healthy to go out and eat a lot. As much as I love burritos, if I ate a burrito every day, you know, I'd be dead. But um, I, I, I keep the simple stuff. I, I can make a mean meatball and sauce when I have a couple hours, but I don't do as much as I used to. Um, so I just make my own, kind of make my own sauce and doctor it up or buy canned sauce and just mix in turkey meatballs or, or something like that. I make my own chicken fajitas from time to time, you know, chicken asada, stuff like that where you buy it fresh. I, and I knew you were going to say something like the chicken, your fajita recipe with the honey. <laughs> I was going to bring up the, my, my, the, the honey recipe. That's a good recipe. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's laughing because there's like, I think three times in a row with the podcast where two, every two weeks I was making chicken fajitas <laughs> that night. Yeah. Just happened to work fall at night. So we come in and oh, it smells like it's like peppers and onions and, you know, and chicken fajitas. Um, that's all I really have time to make. I only, only concentrated in a few things I make for myself. Otherwise it's just like, you know, like George Foreman, grilling or making myself an omelet i mean that's just the way it is i i love to cook i've loved to cook since i was like a young teenager um i i and i don't like to follow recipes i like to just screw around on the stove um signature dish i'm wicked with eggplant i can make really parmesan like i've i would say my conversion ratio on people who think they don't like eggplant is like nine out of ten I'm well, like, no, you're, no. You're a communist if you don't like eggplant. I'm like, like eggplant. I'm like, let me make you eggplant no, just once. You press it, right? Yes. Yes, okay. I purge it. Jesus you're, Christ. You're not a Mardi Gras. You have to press no, it. No, you okay. got to fucking purge the eggplant. That's okay. that's absolute Because some people don't know that. Yeah, they don't. And then that's why they're like, oh, it's bitter. It's gross. It's like, no. No, because you're no, a Mardi Gras. just, you're dumb. <laughs> so um, what I like doing, though, and I'm not vegetarian, but I don't like preparing a lot of meat. I don't really like to eat a ton of meat. So my favorite thing is, um, Vani really likes it when I cook. And I love to see how many like vegetarian meals I can get away with before she realizes that I'm not putting meat in, in the food. I, don't, I can't eat vegetarian. <laughs> I don't I, get I, I don't get very far. I need, my, I need but, my protein. I can't survive on soy. Um. Jonathan Chapman at Urza's Rage. Hi, Jonathan. Um, how do you guys watch film entertainment these days? Netflix, Hulu, DVR, PVR, Blu-rays, DVD, YouTube. I think this is interesting just because I find I always talk about how I find cable to be almost a thing of a past. I mean, they constantly yeah. I constantly get emails from AT&T like, "Please sign up for our cable services." I use Hulu, I use Netflix, I use the WWE Netflix uh uh network network and uh, that along with some DVD sets is honestly enough for me and TV. Um I've gotten back into TV because the dramas on TV are outstanding now. I just finished finished the Fargo, had the had the season finale last night. It was outstanding. Ten episode, standalone series. It was fucking incredible. There was nothing like that on TV even like three four years ago. It's just very entertaining. I'm sorry, like I don't want to. Some of these shows I can't wait. I mean, I've seriously I've gotten to the point where I almost canceled cable. I was like, okay, but then I always have one or two shows that sneak up. I love Suits on USA. Fantastic. Before that, I loved Burn Notice. I used to love Nip Tuck on FX. 
there are shows that I deeply love, but it's only usually two or three. That's all I have time for. The one that know? the one that kept me holding on the longest was Mad Men, and I was just like, I like Mad Men, but I can wait. And I yeah. just I said f it, and I canceled cable. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I, I can watch it all on Netflix. Yeah. I yeah, I mean, I understand that TV is getting better. That's the general consensus. So oh, it's fantastic. It's not, we're not even talking about not even talking about like something, something like on HBO, like True Detective, which is you know where they have like. Or, or, or watching Don Cheadle on Showtime, or you know, or, the, or William H Macy has his his show. Even like I said, FX, AMC, they have excellent series on in USA. They're, they're great. I do just want to point out real quick that the one that I definitely don't use is YouTube. I even though I'm you know. obviously on something that's on YouTube, I I don't use it. I've I've never understood the appeal. I don't like the layout. I don't like the quality. Everything about the process well, of watching the quality of the stream or the actual quality of the content. Content and stream. Well, because you have to find the content. The streaming is great. Yeah. It, you can get HD. Yeah. No, I depending just, on what's uploaded. I've, I've never, I've just never found it an appealing way okay. to consume anything. All right. Okay. Well, in terms of Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, Blu-rays, I don't have any. I don't own a Blu-ray player. They actually, went, my MacBook might play Blu-ray. I think it does, but I don't have Blu-ray. I own a few, like probably five. My DVDs collect dust. The only DVDs I think I would watch would be like something like like Faulty Towers. I found the DVD set. I'd pop that in maybe. See, I get like but DVD- a lot of it's on Netflix now. So see, I get DVDs of like Ultraman and Tokusatsu shit that's just not on Netflix. So that's sure. why I use DVD. I get Blu-rays of uh, uh, the rare anime film that I want because animation that was made for Blu-ray or high definition looks incredible. Um, and then, you know, I bought Alien and Aliens on Blu-ray. Not because I needed to, but because they were cheaper than the DVD copies that were available. Sure. So, you know, I mean, that's why I own a few of those. Um, this is from at Shins H. Any thoughts on the world's biggest game collection being sold for 750000 today and on the, in quotes, collector? I'm not going to speak to the individual selling them. I don't know anything about the guy. Supposedly, this from is... Buffalo. Supposedly, this is his second collection. Supposedly, he had a collection that he sold off originally, and this is his second one. I think it's taken him 20 years to build up this collection. Um, now, here's the thing. It sold for... The, that was the final bid on Game Gavel. I'm not going to be saying it sold for that until it's paid for, and it's verified that it was paid for. Right. That's a large chunk of change to drop. I just, in my heart, don't see someone dropping that chunk of change online for a game collection. The type of people with that money to throw around... They're buying art. They're, they're buying comic books that are priceless. They're not buying a huge game collection that's going to cost probably ten to 20000 maybe just to ship yeah. by itself. And looking over, I don't have it in front of me now. I did look over the list originally and scanned it. I think supposedly a lot of this value is a lot of these games are either complete or sealed. Mm. But in terms of the big marquee titles... They're, they were, they weren't there. There's no NWC cards. There's no magical chases in here. Right. That yeah, if you had all of those cards, I can spe- see. Okay, if you have like say if you had, uh, the, let's just say pick 20, 20 game consoles between the late seventies and the late nineties. If you had twenty complete in box or and or partially sealed game sets, NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, Atari Twenty Hundred. Yeah, I could see it dropping for that much maybe to right. someone who was nuts. But just having, say, two-thirds of all those sets, no. No. And, and I don't see it happening, especially since, you know, when you're going to dish out money, usually it's going to be less than the sum of the parts when you're dropping it on a set. It's usually not going to go for more. Right. And this is a, an amount that's 
I think, more. Well, they said it averaged out to $68 a game. That's a lot. That's insane. Especially for when you, when you look at a lot of these Nintendo games that, even if they're sealed, they don't go for more than 25 bucks. some of these games. Yeah. Even And that's if you're buying them individually. Usually you want to get a bulk deal on something like this. Right. $68 a game for, what is it, 11,000 games? That's, yeah. Yeah, that's not a deal no. to me. I don't care. You know, like I said, we're, we're not talking about there being... You know, a sealed stadium events in there. There's not like a sealed even Bonx Adventure any you know Nintendo version in there. We're, you know, we're talking about yeah. There's some games that are probably uncommon and rare, but we're not the marquee titles that would make it worth that amount. At least that's what I saw. Sure. All right, this one's from Cube the Third. Hey guys, been getting into your show recently and really enjoy each episode as it comes out. I have a question that I believe you haven't discussed. How do you guys feel about console modding, old or new, to improve functionality? RGB, video, region, free, you name it. As collectors and gamers, how do you feel about the practice? Love the show and thanks in advance. I think it's interesting, um, and I, I don't. I think that's a pretty good question. Uh, I know a lot of people who are really against modification of stuff like that. Uh, you know, if it didn't have it, they don't want to add it. Frankly, I think if you want to modify your console to, you know, get RGB out on something, you should go for it. It's the difference between the purist collector and the practical collector. Who would complain about it? I mean, it's not like you're going to run out of NESs anytime soon that wouldn't have a mod. No, but I, I, I mean, I've had people in the store who talk and complain about, you know, modifying systems because it's not original anymore. I mean, for them, you mean? Yeah, for them. Yes. I I mean, there are, there are people who bitch. I have more a problem. People are cannibalizing returning the Joker carts for, you know, Mr. Gimmick. That's, that's what I have a problem. No, that's fair too. I mean, like I said, especially with a Nintendo, I don't think it's an issue and crap. I'd RGB mod my, uh, you know, my, uh, duo R. You know, if I could get art to do it or whatever, find someone to do it, I would, I would do that. But there are people who would definitely frown upon that. I really don't think it's that big of a deal, though. I don't care. <laughs> All right, a couple more. This is from at J underscore North Coast. What do you guys like on your pizza? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't like meats uh, unless it's like a good meatball. I don't like sauces. I don't like pepperoni that much. Too greasy. I like meats. I like eggplant. Uh, meatball eggplant's a good combination, or 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 meatball and mushrooms a great combination. Um, I like veggie pizzas; those are good. Yep. I like anchovies. I mean, that's more an East Coast thing. I like anchovies. Yeah, on anchovies pizza. are good. Uh, if I'm slumming it with bullshit West Coast pizza, I usually. <laughs> Why you said that? Because yeah. that's bullshit. Yeah. Most of it. Uh, I almost always get jalapeno pineapple. Really? I freaking love it. It's just so good. Now, I, I do like the, the Hawaiian pizza. I have learned to love that in the West Coast, the, whole, uh, the, the ham and, and, and pineapple. I do like that. It bothers me that there's a lack of banana peppers out here, but I love jalapenos. That's right, banana so, peppers. I haven't had good banana peppers since New Jersey. So, I, you know, out here, I do jalapeno, pineapple, and I it, it, it I love it. Um, back home, my favorite pizzeria is a place called Bocce's Pizza, and my typical... Bocce's Pizza. Dino's Bocce's Pizza. So Ginzan. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And my favorite order from there, and I, I did just have it just a few days ago, is uh, I do pepperoni, banana pepper, and uh, usually black olive. Olives, I never really, I don't know, I, I never got into the olives on pizza. I never just got into it. I love it. I, I used to love uh, 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 onion pizza. Just onions, like big onions. <gasps> I used to like that. Here's the thing. I love onions. On I don't think they have it out here. I, it's I love, hard to find. Yeah. I love onions on all sorts of things. Sandwiches. For whatever reason, I don't like them on pizza. It has to be done well. It has, it, not, it has to be like nice, big, thick, 
I remember, remember in Union, New Jersey. You got to cook them down, too. Like, you can't give me some half-assed, half-raw, half-cooked fucking onion. Oh, no. Onion. It's got to be it's Caramelize be that well. shit. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's not caramelized. Well, it's just cooked down. Yeah. It's just baked. baked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. I'm hungry. I want a freaking pizza. Damn it, Ian. <laughs> you got to choose that question? All right. One last one. Last one. This is from, last one. This is from Jerron, who writes for The Punk Effect. Hey, Jerron. Hey, Pat. We all have our pet peeves, and I know you go to the gym frequently. Well, thanks. <laughs> What's your gym pet peeve? Uh, hashtag lunk. No one's called me a lunk ever. Um, I don't like when people don't pick up their weights as for themselves. I think it's very rude. You can trip over, especially like in the the ab room, where people have like the optional weights for doing stuff. They do like that move, or they move their twist their torso, or do the the side torso thing. Then they just drop their weight on the ground. Or someone else. I usually have to go pick it up, or someone else. It's just rude. Uh, pick true. up your goddamn weights. You already picked them up to begin with. To do your exercise, put them back where they belong. I, another thing is um. When you, when you ask someone to work, when you work in with someone, um, there was these two, uh, I don't call them teeny boppers, they're in their 20s. These two girls that had the teeny bopper personality, thought they were hot shit. I was using like the chest machine. There was the chest, the pulley machine, the resistance, which I like. And they asked me if I could work in. There were two girls. I said, sure, you can work in. Um, for me, to do my set probably takes, I don't know, 15 seconds. Each one of them took like two minutes to do it like she was doing these little reps of like and she wasn't even using the machine to do chest she was like turning around and doing like a back thing she was doing like 50 reps at like a light i was like what the hell is it even doing is that tony it was just rude and she didn't apologize and if i if i known it was to take them that long to do their their sort of reps i wouldn't have let them work in i would have just sat down and just not let them do it because it's like have some sort of respect if you know you're taking time away and i let you use the machine you should be con- cognizant of what you're doing but that's a pet peeve Mine is very simple. Wipe the fuck down. That's that's a good Wipe one. the fucking equipment down. When you're done, get it's, your sweat off of it. Yeah. Look, look, you don't have to get all of it off of it. <laughs> I'm not afraid of it. I'm in a gym. It's a sweaty place. It smells bad. But, like, if you're going to leave gallons of it on the dash, or if it's all over the handles, that's what it's what your towel's there for. Well, clean up. I bring my own towel usually. Yeah, and usually, usually I'll do it, even if I have a towel... I'll do the spray thing, whatever that blue liquid is. If I, you know, yeah. ass sweat or arm sweat somewhere, we'll just say, you want to spray and get that off. Just as common courtesy to people. Yeah. But yes, I have almost sat down and see like liquid, like ass sweat or arm sweat. I'm like, what the fuck? Come on, people, wipe it down. Oh, I've Come seen on. full body prints. Uh, full body and prints. I'm like, this is disgusting. I can see your ass cheeks perfectly. <laughs> is that the why you see that? Uh, this was actually, I, I had that problem more at 24 Hour Fitness than really? I did at the Y. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm lucky. No one ever fucking wiped their shit down at night. I actually get, I get, you know, I'm actually self-aware of, like, wow, I don't want, like, like sweat being seen by the people. I'll wipe, I'll make sure I wipe it down with the spray. Mm-hmm. If I, or at least if I have my towel, you know, do it. I'm a gross um, motherfucker at the gym. I am, I am a hog. So I gotta I, work out, Ian, we have to work out together. So I, we no, gotta I work out. I don't work out with other people. That's abysmal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a solo. How much you lift? That is solo time. That is my time to be alone. I can picture you just running, looking at the wall, just blank stare. No, I listen. I listen. Listening to happy hardcore. I do that. <laughs> I do that, or I listen to radio drama. Really? Yeah. Do you know there's a station in San Diego that Sunday nights they put on radio dramas? Oh, I, did. I swear to God, I was driving home one time and I heard like, wow, they're doing like an old like western. With like five different people doing the parts. Like, this is actually interesting. This is what oldie time radio was yeah. in the you know the twenties up to like the even the fifties. So here's the so. thing: the reason I happy hardcore I listen to a lot just because. But the reason <laughs> no, the reason why I started listening to radio drama is I went to raves forever. When I hear music going that fast, I move that fast. 
and I don't always want to be moving at 172 oh, so. BPM. So I started <laughs> using radio drama because there's no beat for me to follow. I have to, I have make to make, I have to make up my own rhythm. That's very interesting. How about classical music? You ever listen to classical music? I, that would probably I be pretty cool. But I, I've done it. It gets you going. Yeah, I do that. Overture 1812, one of my favorite classical pieces. But we're getting off topic, and we're coming to the end of this CU podcast. That's the end of the Q&A. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. This has been a great, completely unnecessary podcast for June 18th, 2014. Oh, you have to take us out. You're the host. Uh, this has been a wonderful podcast uh, for 6, 18, uh, 14. And uh, this is my friend, Pat, who is sometimes uh, not a friend. and uh, I'm always your friend. And I'm Ian, who is uh, leading you out. Pat, get down. Don't go to the bathroom yet. No, Pat, you, you're not doing this right. Say goodbye. I don't say that. Say Properly do this. Goodbye. Bye, bye everybody. I don't, I don't appreciate that. <laughs>